Hello everyone, it's me, Aru Sanchez, with another episode of Converse with Anyone, Anywhere, with my co-host, Aliza Abramson. And we're very super stoked and excited to be here, speaking to all of you guys again. How are you feeling, Aliza? I'm pretty good. How are you feeling? I'm feeling amazing, because we're going to hear, we could be speaking with our entire audience today on a question. It's actually one of the most asked questions when it comes to public speaking. Mm-hmm. When you have to give a speech or a presentation... People always they always want to know what is the best way to start a speech or a presentation. Now, why do you think this is such a such? It's one of the top asked questions on Google when it comes to public speaking, Aliza. Why? Uh, well, probably a couple of reasons. First of all, people. It's one of the number one fears, actually, to speak in front of people. So, obviously, when people are about to prepare for a speech or a presentation, they want to prepare themselves as much as they can so they can minimize that fear a little bit, right? So, one of the things that you have to do when you're giving a speech is you have to be memorable. You have to make an impact. Otherwise, why on earth did you speak? Why did you talk to these people unless they are going to remember what you had to say? So, I could see why it would be one of the most uh, commonly Googled questions about public speaking. What do you think? And it's interesting that you mentioned it. it's true. Public speaking is one of the, like the top fears in the world. It, it's crazy. I once read a study that, that people would rather be in, like rather be in a situation where there's poisonous snakes or be in heights or near sharks than to give a public than to give a speech in front of people. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that the fear, the phobia that people have, and as you mentioned, because when you go on that stage, a lot of times people are just scared because they don't want to be humiliated. Exactly. They don't want to be humiliated. They don't want people to make fun of them. They think that people are staring them down and judging every second. That's actually called the spotlight effect. For all of you who go, for all those who don't know, that's actually called a spotlight effect. Where us humans, we believe that we're being watched. Or judged way more than we actually are. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we're like, oh my God, if people are watching me, they're gonna judge me, they're gonna see every little mistake, every little stutter, every little mistake I do in my conversations, in my speech. But in reality, a lot of times people just forget what you say. Mm-hmm. They completely forget what you say and they weren't really paying that much attention to you unless you want a lot of attention and you brought it upon yourself. But let's go back to answering the question. What is the best way to start a speech? And Aliza, you mentioned some great things that I want everyone who's out there listening to please, guys, if you're listening, pay attention to what Aliza's going to mention. What are some great ways that she has done it or some of the best ways to start any speech or presentation? So when you start a speech, the whole point of that start is you want to grab people's attention and engage them with you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So your hook... Um, or the beginning of your speech needs to do that. So there are a couple different ways that you can grab people's attention. You can either grab it visually, you can grab it um, mentally, you can grab it emotionally, or you can grab it physically if you want to go really crazy. Mm -hmm. So you have to decide what the tone of your presentation is going to be first. If it's more of an intellectual thing with like facts, figures, things like that, you might want to have more of a mental um, grab something that like people are like what that's crazy like a, some kind of fact or something like that if it's more of an emotional one like for example I had to give a persuasive speech and I was relying a lot on people's emotions to convince them of something so what I did was I started off the speech with really really um, graphic images okay. right uh-huh. because when you see something it attacks a different part of you right so when you see an image and it's like whoa it like gets you like a little emotionally involved right so then you want someone to speak to you to kind of calm you down and walk you through it so that was my job so I had people's attention right away Um, another way is you can kind of almost attack your audience a little bit 
This sounds like a little bit tricky, mm -hmm. but really what it's doing is like, let's say you want to talk about pollution, right? Okay. You could be like, you could get onto the stage and be like, you guys don't recycle. Or maybe you think you recycle, but you don't really recycle. Let me explain what recycling actually is. Because what happens is the person in your audience gets, starts to feel defensive right away. They're like, what? I totally recycle. What are you talking about? You know? And then they're going to listen to you because they want to prove you wrong throughout the rest of your speech. Now, what you have to do afterwards is you have to pull back so that you don't like, become aggressive with your audience and they don't get aggressive back with you. You have to kind of show like, oh, no, it was just my hook to get you in. Mm. But that's one really good way to get them engaged. So it's not so much that you have to be super interesting or super anything like that. You just have to get them invested in hearing what you have to say. Does that make sense? I have a question for you. Yes. So it's interesting. You mentioned that there's, there was different ways on how to um, hook people. And you said, for example, if it's more of an intellectual crowd, or like say developers and programmers, you probably catch them or hook them with like a, um, like maybe a verbal or, or a mental thing that will catch them, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think, depending on the audience you're speaking to, right? Because depending on the audience, you probably want to do a lot of similarities to, to catch them. Do you think... Then when you're trying to build a hook or you're trying to start that speech and you're trying to find the right way to hook them or to get them to pay attention for the rest of it, should you use a technique that they're not really used to? Should you use a technique that most likely it will, it will work with this crowd because you know it's, it's related to their industry? Or use a technique that's completely out of their industry because it will grab their curiosity? Do you know what I mean? I hear you. I think that's a lot of it matters on two things. The content of your actual presentation is your hook going to either detract or add to it and also the people that you're speaking to, right? Like if you are giving a presentation mm -hmm. and you're applying to a present like to a company where they value um steadfast, steady, uh calm people, mm -hmm. you don't want to go something crazy outside the box. Okay. Because they don't value that. Mm -hmm. So to them, you will lose because you're shocking them and mm -hmm. they don't want to be shocked. They just want to see someone who's on point. So I wouldn't use an outside the box or shocking or unusual technique with them um, unless it's like just at the edge of about to be like, I've never seen this before. Make it similar to something they've seen before. Um, whereas if you're at like a startup, right, with a crowd that's much more open-minded and such, much more um, focused on creativity, then go outside the box. That's going to help you because they're going to be like, oh, this is interesting. Let me see what it is. So it really depends on who you're speaking to as well as your content. So like, for example, let's say you're giving a presentation about, um, I don't know, like a budget for a company. Okay. Like you mean like the financial numbers and stuff? Yeah. And let's say this company is about to go bankrupt or something like that. Okay. That's very serious content, and you don't want them to feel like you're making fun of them, or you don't want them to feel like you don't take your job seriously by going too outside the box. So you want to give them a little bit of what they expect, because also when they're in that point where like they need help with their budget, they're already pretty vulnerable. So you shocking them even more is going to throw them off onto the edge, and they're already at the edge, so you're basically throwing them off the ledge. So you have to read your audience as well as actual content of what you're saying. If you're talking about something super exciting, super new, super cool, super like cutting edge, go outside the box. But otherwise, I would try to stay a little bit inside the box. What do you think? I love that. that that's all so true. Read the audience. Give, uh, uh, a big tip that I would actually give, right, before I say my points, and you tell me what, what you think about this, Aliza, is if you 
if you have a slight idea or you don't really know what kind of audience is going to be there, let's say you're getting paid to give a speech or you're part of a college or a high school debate team or you're just going to give a speech or presentation uh, in front of some locals or for business people, whatever the case is, but you don't know really the audience that's going to be like, you know what the event's about, Mm -hmm. but you don't know what, like how the audience is actually going to be. Call the person uh, who's in charge, Mm -hmm. right? And say, Hey, listen, what's the crowd going to be like? What's the age range? Uh, what is it that, what is it that, that, that they're looking for? They're more conservative. So you can have an idea without you actually being on stage. Because a lot of times they say visit the hall, visit the event place or your class before. But a lot of times you can't do that. But if right. you can call ahead of time and find out what kind of people are they, you can most likely have an idea or go down a certain road and get it correctly because you, ha- you ha- know with ahead of time who's coming in. Mm-hmm. Um. A good way to kind of stay in a safe place, if you're not sure if you should go outside the box or stay in the box, is you can go a little outside the box, but have recognizable themes of things that are inside the box. So what you want to do is you want to kind of take them on a journey, but you're holding their hand at the same time. You're saying like, I'm going to take you outside of this box. I'm going to do something a little bit different, but you're still going to recognize like the basic thing. So I'm not going crazy outside. Like let's say you're cooking something, right? Mm-hmm. And you're making chocolate chip cookies. Okay. And you okay. want to go and be a little bit different, right? So yes. You can add walnuts, but you still have the chocolate chip cookie, the chocolate chips, and you have the same batter. You just added a new element, right? So it's still recognizably a chocolate chip cookie, but it's got a twist. That's kind of like a safe place that you can be in when you're trying to start off outside the box. So you can keep all of the main elements that you need that's traditional for that speech or that type of speech but then you can add in a little bit of something that's your own twist if you want like a safe place hmm i like that Mm -hmm. i love that that if you just want to just make sure like put one foot one put put one foot out yeah be a little creative but then just come back right in to make sure that no that no one's getting offended so i think yeah it really depends now something that i've done a lot of times because I love these techniques is that in order how do, how do I say this so you mentioned something about being physical right mm-hmm. being physical right I love being physical with yes. the audience I'm going to explain what I mean I love catching people off mentally mm-hmm. I love that for example a lot of times what I've done to give when I've gone to give workshops with, with Eliza or seminars or or even speeches like when, when, I, when I was back in high school and in college what I would do is is that let's say the topic was about give me a, give me a random topic light fixtures I'm sorry light fixtures light fixtures and let's just say for for an example guys this is just an example if, if I'm speaking about light fixtures and you know that when the light you know when the light bulb's off right it's not working it's dark right but then once you fix it the light comes back on so then what I would do is that I would do a trick because I've actually been doing like card tricks, coin tricks, mentalism for more than 10 years now. And I love doing that type of stuff. I love uh, not scaring people, but I like, like showing people like my powers and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, it's just it's a fun, interactive thing to do with the audience. Mm-hmm. So I'll take a trick that involves light, for example, and I'll do it in front of the audience. Mm-hmm. Now, does that have to do anything to do with light fixtures? Of course not. But the concept of like light on, light off. There's some commonality. I'll find one strand of a commonality. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I will enlarge it. 
and then connect it and then just go down to my speech. But I do that because I want to hook the audience. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people just start with like an interesting story, which again, there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe statistics, uh, a, a joke. Again, great ways to start a speech, but I, w- I would do some tricks, mm-hmm. get them involved. Or what I'll do is, I love what Elisa mentioned, where she basically, you know, she's like, you don't do this. You don't do that. Uh, you can even take, it, take it a step further. You can say, hey, excuse me, well, what's your name? How old are you? Do you recycle? Now, what's happening here is, I mean, it has its pros and its cons. You just have to be careful with this. You don't want to offend anyone. You don't want to offend anyone. So if you're going to do this, make sure the questions are not too hard and you, you, like, you don't really embarrass them. Yeah. But now the whole light, the whole spotlight is between this person and you. You're having a conversation. There's a whole audience, but you're having a conversation here. And what you can do is have, ask one question, then jump to another person, ask another question, jump to another person, ask another question, and say, now, guys, come up. Come up. Maybe have them do like a little activity. Mm-hmm. Or demonstration, real workshopy, more workshop, exactly, more related to the topic. Now we're getting people involved, and people are like, "Oh man, I want." Oh, he's calling this person, and they feel I could be next. Mm-hmm. They could call on me. This is exciting. This is so different. People are, are moving around. When there's movement, that's another. I love movement, that workshopy feeling, and doing tricks. I love going for that. And a cool little tip for all of you who are listening, if you see that your audience is falling asleep, what I always love to do is I, I bring little chocolates with me. <laughs> and halfway through the speech, if I see that they're falling asleep, uh, it's like I'll stop it and then I'll say, hey, who wants a chocolate? Or I'll, I'll say, hey, think of a number between one. Th- I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of a number between one through ten. Well, what number am I thinking of? And I'll point to random people. And until someone gets it, then I'll throw them a little small Hershey chocolate or something small. I'll start to throw chocolate. People get a, people's sugar raises. And now they're back to listening to me and being engaged with me the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I know I just throw a lot of like different techniques. But I love mixing it up because it makes it so different. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you think about this, Aliza? I think that those are all great. I think you definitely need to read which group you're speaking with. Like, for example, like I wouldn't do the chocolate thing necessarily in a business meeting. Oh, of course not, no. Um, but in a college setting, go for it. That's great. Um, or if you're at like a like a pump someone up session, like where you're like the motivational speaker or something like that, definitely a great um, way to use that. Um, some other things that you can do that I really like to do is I like to use my face a lot. Your face? What do you my mean? face. Because a lot of people, when they're speaking, they forget that you're kind of acting at the same time. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they'll give you the speech and they'll give their information, but they forget to put that passion or those expressions in their face. And people read your face a lot. So what I'll do a lot of times is let's say I'm starting on a topic that's that like I want to show that this makes me angry is I'm going to like furrow my brows before I even start speaking. Like I'm going to look like I have a little bit of an angry face on before I start speaking. And I make sure to take a huge breath before I start speaking. Like I'll like just be like looking at the audience, like intimidating them just a little bit. And then like I'll put my hands together, look down and be like, okay. And then go into it because they're like, why is she angry? What's going on? And or I could do it like another way. I could like look super happy and just be like smiling at everyone. And then like what I like to do to show that I'm super happy is like I'll cross my arms and just put like my hand over my mouth and just be like, like kind of like looking around like this and then like waving a little bit and just like almost like bouncing in my step a little bit. And everyone's like, why is she so happy? And then you can go right into it. Or you can like look you. But whatever you do, you want to get people like what's going on because you want to show that you actually feel what you're saying. Because when you're passionate about what you're saying people listen to you like who has ever had a teacher that like they have to teach you a class but they're just giving you over information lots of times 
Now, that teacher tends to be you zone out. But the teacher that like talks as if like your life depends on this information and they're like, yo, if you get this, this is going to help you make so much money. I'm so excited for you to learn this. And like they're psyched to share that information with you. You're kind of like, why are they so psyched to share this information with me? Let me hear what this information is so that I can be psyched too. So you want to convey that passion, those feelings as well. Um, One other tip that I have that I'll give to you guys um, about this is you want to give people something that they can prove to themselves during the speech. I actually learned this one from my dad who learned it from his rival or his competition growing up actually. My dad's a big public speaker and he went to this competition when he was young once and he gave like a great speech, like awesome speech. And then this other guy, uh, his name was Peter Chin, got up and he was like my dad's rival like his whole life. And my dad was watching his speech, watching his speech. And then Peter Chin did one thing that once he did that, my dad was like, man, I lost it. He had everyone raise their hand and touch all of their fingers to their thumb. And he says, that shows that you are human. No other creature in the world can do that. And did he lose? He lost. My dad lost. Peter Chin won. Not because he had a better speech, but because he got people to do something and see that see the proof of what he was saying right there now is that like even a true statement i have no idea but the people when they saw that they could do that they're like oh man he's right and all of a sudden they remember it they might not remember every detail of his speech but they remember moving their hand like that so that's another thing that you can do get people to do something physically or try something like i don't know like you can have them say like okay make a clapping noise like do you see that clapping noise like have them do things and then they're going to remember it. So basically get them to do physical, like, to move, yeah. movement, physical activity. It's huge. And it's interesting. In your opinion, I mean, I have my own opinion. Maybe, maybe yours is different. I think we can both agree, first of all, that no matter how good your speech is, people will not remember it. People will remember, they'll, they'll, remember, they'll remember highlights and they will remember how you made them feel during the speech. Mm, yes. Now, do you think it's more important to have a more impactful beginning or impactful ending? I personally believe that they're the most important parts of a speech. But to be honest, I think it's more important to have an impactful beginning mm-hmm. because it sets the mood, the tone. Yeah. And a lot of times, great public speakers, right? I think if you just follow this one rule of thumb, you'll make it in your next speech, either if you're in high school or middle school or college, or if you're trying to do a speech front of developers or trying to pitch to investors, whatever your situation is. But is this, you want to hit on the reptilian lizard part of our brain, mm-hmm. which is basically the oldest part of our brain, which is mostly emotional. And most of our decisions are based on emotions. Even when we're trying to be logical, it's our logical side of our brain is mixed with our emotions. If you can hit people with, if you can hit people on their emotional side, their emotion side of their brain, with any of these tips or techniques or however other way you want to do it, Guess what, guys? You have them underneath your belt Mm -hmm. because people want to feel things. We're creatures of emotion. Mm -hmm. And just saying one story, for example, I, if I know, a lot of times what I'll do is like, if I know that that the story, if I know, I'll always try to dramatize my stories more. Mm -hmm. I don't want to lie in my stories, but I always try to add more drama Mm -hmm. because people love drama. There's more. That's why people love watching soap operas because there's so much drama and conflict. It's a plot. So if you know that, give it to the people. 
even people who say I don't like gossip, I don't like, I don't like crazy stuff, I don't want to hear bad things. Even those people, everyone likes to hear a good story, gossip, soap opera, however, however you want to call it. Everyone likes to hear this, and especially if you can practice your beginning, you can practice that emotional story that gets to people. I'm telling you, you're gonna have an amazing hook. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And plus, just think about it logically. Like, if you don't have a great beginning, who's going to be paying attention to the end? They're not going to be focused. Not me. Exactly. So when you have that great beginning, you set that tone of people saying, oh, this is a good speech. Oh, this is a good presentation. And then it doesn't matter how you end, really. I mean, like, ideally, you end well also. But if you don't have a good beginning, you have to convince people to, that you, this will actually turn out to be a good speech when it started off badly. What do you think? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And if you are trying to rely, if you don't work on your beginning, but you have an amazing uh, a middle and an amazing ending, as Elisa mentioned, you're going to have to work double mm-hmm. or harder to convince people to listen to you. And then why, why make your life harder? Why try to conv- convince people in the middle and the end of the speech when you can just do a, a phenomenal job in the beginning? And even if your middle is not, it's not so strong, it's only decent, people will forgive you. People will just forget about it or they'll turn a blind eye, as they say, mm-hmm. because your beginning and the way you got, you got to them to pay attention was so, so good. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And also, if you have a great beginning, people will make excuses for you for other parts that aren't so good. They're like, this wasn't so good. But, you know, a whole speech can't be perfect. And they started off really great. And they had all this. The best is if you can have a great beginning and a great end. Because the middle, most people don't remember, but great beginning, great end, you're good. Yep. I think we covered this this topic pretty well on basically how to start the beginning of your speech or your presentation or if you're going to give a workshop. Whatever industry or career, even if you're just a, mm-hmm. just a student, you're eventually going to have to give a speech or presentation. Exactly. Maybe you only have to do a couple in your life or maybe you have to do a whole bunch, but this is such an important skill important skill to have in your arsenal mm-hmm. uh, in your repertoire as a career i'm telling you it can elevate your career your earning potential mm-hmm. and your ability to communicate with the audience but then even in a one-on-one because if you can speak to an audience it'll be a little bit easier to speak one-on-one a- any last words Eliza? Um, I hope you guys um, use these skills and let us know how they go yeah guys follow us subscribe please comment send us your questions yes Tell people to follow us. We would really appreciate that. And guys, guys, we really just want to hug you all and just say thank you one one more time. And please follow us on YouTube and our Instagram. It's Conversation Guru. Conversation G-U-R-U. Guys, thank you guys so much. And of course, till next time.